My days of breaking into places and stealing shit are done. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some shit. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Cinema Shot Podcast. I'm your host Ben, aka The Marvelous Iggy, and I... Ty- Tyler! Tyler, where are you? I can't see you! Where are you? I'm down here! Oh, sh- you know, this would work better if we were actually a visual podcast versus an audio-only one. Um. Yeah, because if it was, then uh, I would put in a, a clip from Mac and Me as a nod to Paul Rudd. Nice. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Shot. We this is uh, we are now exiting Phase Two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with this week's movie, and that is Ant Man. Um, of all fucking movies, Ant Man. Um, Tyler. Uh, so this movie, unlike other MCU movies was in development for quite some time and then got worked in the MCU. Were you aware of that? Um, I wasn't aware of that at first. Although, um, I was a bit aware of um, the Ant-Man and the originals of Avengers continuity in the comics. Because Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, which we'll get into in the, the synopsis later on, was one of the founding members. I knew that much, at least. Okay, that's actually pretty cool. Nothing. Yeah, the uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp got snubbed for Black Widow and Hawkeye. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, so this movie in earnest has was in development starting in two thousand and six. So that's pre Iron Man, because I, I don't think Iron Man started until like two thousand seven at the earliest. Um, and it was even then, Iron Man was in development hell for way longer, right? True, exactly. Um, but like, but this is before the concept of the shared universe is going to be a thing, right? Um, so, and funny enough, Ant-Man was originally supposed to be directed by Edgar fucking Wright himself. Um, Mr. Hot Fuzz himself? Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, of course, Scott Pilgrim, just to name a few. Um, and he was gonna do it, and they were, they were on, so they, they, they had worked on several drafts, and then by, so by, like, 2011, and then, um, 20, and then I think they hired, they, they, uh, uh, Scott Lang was cast... Um, in the process of hiring uh, Paul Rudd to play him, to play Scott Lang in 2013, and then Wright left the project in 2014. So we, this, and and we'll talk about it, but there are shades of Edgar Wright in in this movie, um, as, as you could tell. Um, if you've seen any of his movies, it's just like things they probably carried over from the script. Uh, but do you remember any, okay, so you are on the MCU train now. Did you Did you skip this one or did you see this one? I saw this in theaters with friends. Um, this was uh, one of the last ones, aside from uh, Civil War, where I kind of fell off for a little bit, um, only because I wasn't really into seeing movies in theaters at the time. I was too busy with work at that point. But I remember seeing Ant-Man in theaters, and I absolutely loved it. I love Paul uh, Rudd as um, a leading actor, uh, so I knew what I was getting into going into this movie, and I was not disappointed. Yeah, and, and it's it's a nice like counterbalance movie because like if you're watching this in order, you got Age of Ultron, which is this big, epic, tense, you know, defi- like point break moment for the Avengers, and it's just kind of nice to go back down to just a dude who. Um, who knew he knew a guy who knows a guy who heard a guy say something 
you know, ultimately... It's still it a heist movie. It, it, it's, it's a heist movie. It's a nice scaled-down movie. Yes, there are kind of stakes of global domination, but that's not really what it's about. Um, so, it, it's... And they do this a couple of times with the Avengers movies, where they'll, they'll, they'll do a big Avengers movie, and then they'll do, a sm- like, a somewhat smaller-scale movie after it. Um, it's a uh, nice... I see what you did there. I didn't mean to do that! Ah, put that on the, <laughs> put it on the fucking counter. How many small puns are we going to accidentally sneak into this goddamn thing? Okay, uh, but see, they, I, I remember being like, I'm not sure what to feel. Like, really? An Ant-Man movie? I mean, like, I like Hank Pym. Hank Pym's one of my favorite characters in the comics. This is not Hank Pym. Obviously, this is Scott Lang, the second Ant-Man. Um, so, bold choice. I remember a lot of my comic friends were annoyed. I was like, Hank Pym, it should be Hank Pym. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, whatever. Fuck a different universe. Um, let's go ahead and break it down before we break it down. This was directed by Peyton Reed. Uh, of course, screenplay by Edgar Wright. See, he's still credited for it. Uh, Joe Cornish, Adam McKay, and Paul Rudd. Uh, story by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Of course, based on the Ant-Man comic books by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Produced by Kevin Feige. This was released uh, July 17, 2015. So a little after, three months after Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, with a runtime of 117 minutes, a budget of 130 to 169.3 million dollars, and a box office of 519.3 million dollars. That's pretty good for a fucking Ant-Man movie. That's the power of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this time. Like you fuck, they made Guardians made bank, and and um, Ant-Man made half a half a million dollar, half a billion dollars. I'm so, so glad we live in a world where these quote-unquote lesser-known heroes ju- are just making bank now. It's it's really cool. I remember being like, wow, we really made it. We got an Ant-Man movie. Uh, Not everything is Batman and Spider-Man, people. Exactly. Uh, okay, so now let's get into the cast. We have the everyone's favorite uh, uncle, dad, friend, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. Scott Lang? I don't know why I, I stroked out for a moment there. Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Then we have uh, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. Then we have Corey Stoll as Darren Cross as Yellow Jacket. Bobby Cannavale as Jim Paxton. Oh, God. Bobby Vadavale. I love saying that name. Michael Pena as Luis, who is possibly the most iconic character that's not a main superhero character in the in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Uh, Tip Harris, a.k.a. the rapper T.I., as Dave, one of Lang's crew. Anthony Mackie cameos as Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Um, Wood Harris is, uh, oh, this is just minor characters. Judy Greer is Maggie, who is Lang's estranged ex-wife. Um, Abby Ryder Faustin is Castline, the daughter of Scott Lang. And, uh, I don't know who, oh, David Damastashin is Kurt, who is another one of the uh, Scott's crewmates. And finally, the prestigious Michael fucking Douglas is Hank Pym, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, so there, there Former we go. Former Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Former Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I remember being so excited that they casted Michael Douglas as as uh, as Hank Pym. Because I'm like, okay, that's perfect. That's like, granted, he's older, but it's an older Hank Pym, so it works. Ah, it's so good. I still want them to do an Ant-Man prequel series on Disney+. Plus. Come on. The timeline's, sick. timeline's there. Just don't, just don't do the de-aging, which we'll talk about that in a moment. So let's go ahead and talk about the uh, story synopsis. Um, we take back, we flash back to what was it, the eighties? 
I believe 1989. 1989, so like we're on the cusp of the 90s, and we're meeting at the Triskelion, which we saw in Winter Soldier, and uh, Hank Pym is pissed! Hank Pym is pissed because he found out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is trying to reproduce his world's, his own created Pym particles, which I love that that's a thing that people know. It's the Pym particle, which Man, is a... Man, only an asshole names something after themselves. By the way, if you want to check out cool fighting game videos, check out Shire Shoes Reviews on YouTube. Nice. Good... <laughs> Good plug there, buddy. Uh, he is pissed, and there we meet several fa- fa- several characters we've seen in the past. We see uh, not Anthony is it Anthony not Anthony Stark, uh, Howard Stark. We see um, oh god, why am I forgetting Peggy Carter? Peggy Carter, uh, and then there's a random jobber who ends up being an agent of Hydra, I believe. Later on, um, I think he's an agent of Hydra. Um, yeah. Okay. Hydra agents. That's that's right. And basically, they're trying to convince uh, Ant Man. Uh, it's not Scott Lang. Hank Pym to uh, give Shield the uh, product to get, to give them the Pym particles, and it could be a wonderful technology. Uh, and then the the Hydra agent is like, hey, like you're at, it makes an a, a uh, alludement uh, to about his about his wife that he couldn't protect her, and. In righteous fury, knocks him and pulls his neck, his tie down, and makes him bladder on his face, um, which kind of sets the tone that Hank Pym doesn't take your bullshit, um, and he basically walks off the Triskelion to become uh, to to uh, live in his own uh, world across the across the country and create his own laboratory, which I think it, it was. Uh, Pim Labs, but it I'm become... Gonna, I'm going to create my own corporation with Blackjack and hookers. Actually, forget the Blackjack. Um, <laughs> so then we cut to a prison in which we see our level Scott Lang getting into a fight with this big dude and manages to tr- fake him out by... by uh, I love it because, what if I go this way, huh? Bam! I, I love that. And it's all just basically an exit uh, initiation as they're basically going to miss Scott. Scott is just... Scott Lang is just the most adorable motherfucker in this universe because everybody around him generally either, if you don't like him at the beginning, you like him at the end. Um, that's generally how it goes. And Scott Lang uh, is in prison. Uh, he was in prison because I believe he um, leaked. He's a thief. He's a thief, but he pretty much he hacked into the database of I think it was a bank. It was a bank, right? Um, uh, and it was ba- like a super high-end bank, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and he re- he basically gave a whole bunch of people their money back. So he committed a white-collar crime. And I want to talk about the only problem I have with this movie, because the way they talk about it is like they act like they he murdered someone when he didn't. Um, that's the only thing. So he's trying... This story is about him trying moving in with Luis and Luis's buddies. And he's just trying to get back on his feet. He doesn't want to do anything crazy. He just wants a stable job. And what does a stable job land him at, Tyler? It lands him out of Baskin Robbins because, of course, it does. And then he, and if you've ever worked retail, so this is this is the most realist scene that Tyler and I can relate to, where this yes. dude, <laughs> this dude is at Baskin Robbins. Paul Rudd is trying his best to be happy, to be nice, and it's it's easy for him because he's Paul Rudd, and he's like, I want to take a hamburger. I'm like, ah, bro, like, cause that <laughs> that's how these stupid these people actually are. People, people who's never worked retail, you think you people can't be that stupid? No, they are. Um, so, and and Scott's like, we don't we don't serve that. And he's nicest guy ever, nicest guy ever. He gets called in the office, and unfortunately, the God, the most famous quote from this movie is Baskin Robbins always finds out. Which, God damn it, that's that's a hilarious line. 
Um, they find out that he was a thief, and they have to let him go. They find out what he did, and that, you know, even though the manager says, like, I admire what you do, but I can't keep you on. He's like, hey, if you want a little, um, uh, you know, what was I'm it? pretty sure this dude has some sort of kink. Probably look at him. Of course he does. Um, and, and he tells you, you can get something out of the machine. I won't look for it. I won't look. And, of course, Scott does, because whatever, fuck it. I'm leaving anyways. And he's sad. He's depressed. Um, the Luis and his, and his, Luis ends up telling him who was told, told from his cousin, from his friend, from that person's cleaning lady. Listen, I don't know the exact events, but it birthed possibly the greatest tell-all sequence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history to the point where people now want Luis to tell basically the Marvel Universe that way. Like, like the recap of it. And I would love to see that. I'm surprised they haven't done it. Um, but you know, whatever. Uh, and... Basically, it's a big score. And, of course, Scott's like, no, I can't do it. I have to be straight and narrow for Cassie. And, of course, he, um... uh, And, of course, he's estranged by his family, aside from his little... His adorable little daughter. Yeah, he goes to the birthday party, which he's not invited to. He hasn't put child support. Well, he's been in jail! Um, (laughs) And, um... And the, um, the wife intervenes. The new, the new fiancé intervenes. And the... What I don't like about this, like, I okay, I get it. He did a crime, right? He went away. He basically walked out on his daughter's life because of what he did, right? Totally get that. The way they, the cop talks to him and the way his wife talks to him, you'd sw- if you didn't know what he did, you'd swear he murdered someone. Yeah. Uh, for something as petty as, like, not-so-petty thievery, um, I feel like that Scott gets treated much more harshly than he reasonably should be. Granted, it was a lot of money, but it's not like he, he stole from a corporation. It's like, it's, and again, I could, I understand her, the wife being mad about, like, basically, like, you left your daughter without a father. I, I get that. I totally understand that. But the way anybody else treats him, it's like, especially the cop, Bobby Cannavale, it's like, bro, he didn't murder anyone. He, he took money from corporations and gave it to people. Like, what are you talking about? It always, it always Plot twist. That was from his paycheck. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't believe it. So this puts Scott in the dumps because he just wants to see his daughter. He wants his daughter. He wants his life back. As anybody who would coming out of prison, it's it, you know if you actually look at the, ju- the criminal justice system, we set up prisoners to fail when they come out of here because we leave them with nothing, and then we can't they can't get decent jobs because they have prison rights. Listen, I'm saying. All I'm saying, if you if you just had like a minor drug bust, you, know, you didn't kill anybody. Fucking get them back in society. They they paid their penance. No need to no need to put a scarlet letter on them. So Scott agrees to do the job, and we see Scott's genius as he breaks into the Pym household. We don't know it's Hank Pym yet. We find out it's Hank Pym, and he he we see this really cool scientific way of how he opens up this uh, safe, which is from 1910, and it's made out of the same steel of the Titanic, and um. I love the one of the better lines. Is like you know what happened to Titanic? Yeah, I killed Leo, bro. I'm like, so wow, good. Wow, they really gave away the ending on that one. So now good. I'll never see that movie. I know. Well, also, hey, what if I told you the ship actually goes down? Um, oh shit! <laughs> there's somebody out there who know who doesn't know that. Um, there's somebody out there who doesn't know. So. Scott manages to break open the safe, and at first, everybody they all think it's going to be money, jewels, because why else would you have that big of a safe? And it's not! It's a fucking suit! And they, they mistake it for a biker suit. Scott takes it anyways to get out. Scott's depressed. I can't see my kid now. Well, the bus is worthless. And they go home. Um, meanwhile, we have a subplot where I haven't talked about this too, too much because it's kind of boring. 
Darren Cross is our villain here, and he's developed the 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 yellow jacket, which is uh, for comic references. That was Hank Pym's second identity, where he actually developed a second personality that was much more ruthless. So that's what that shit is. Um, and pretty much, he is making this this suit to be basically to replace Iron Man. <laughs> he even gets made fun of it for later. Ha! And. and <laughs> um, and and they show all the technologies of the capabilities of the yellow jacket. Um, and ultimately, the guy says, "So it's a suit." It's like, damn! Just that entire impressive presentation. So it's just a suit. Roasted. I can just hear Tony Stark laughing in his money pile right now. You should get an edit, get that same scene, and then input Tony's laughter in the background. <laughs> Cause that would just and just put that put that like on TikTok or something, that'd be that'd great. That'd be hilarious. Um, so uh, and the danger from this is that uh, Darren doesn't have the pimp article, so he's doing this off from scratch. So uh, Hank and his daughter Janet are trying to stop him, uh, trying to take the yellow jacket suit because if he gets if he can shriek down um, matter, uh, actual matter, then it's game over, and then he can he can basically use it to whatever he wants and you know they don't need pin particles anymore so this is where scott comes into play scott is he puts on the helmet and he presses this little button and he turns really tiny and this is like the one of the the only movie that really does it because even in the sequels they don't really play with it that much you get the the sense of scale with this as scott goes on this mini journey from bathtub to club in it the turns middle. It into Honey, I Shrunk the Kids for a moment here. Pretty much. By the way, who the fuck is at a club at like 2 in the afternoon? Like, what the fuck? That's the one thing that takes me out of that scene. San is like, Francisco's weird, man. I guess so. So, and eventually he lands on the fucking ro- uh, roof of a, of, of a taxi. Um, and he gets so freaked out. He runs back to the house, tries to turn, just return it, and gets arrested for breaking him. Like, God, fuck. And he says the best line. No, I'm just trying to return what I stole. God damn it. Um, <laughs> best, best. Oh, Paul Rudd. Uh, God damn it, Scott. So, this isn't looking good, Scott. Uh, and of course, Bobby Cannavale has to be the one, um, uh, has to be the one to arrest him. And basically, he's like, this is it. You're never going to see your kid again. And um, he gets a visit from, quote-unquote, his lawyer, and that turns out to be Hank Pym. Uh, Pym tells him that, basically, we need your help, and you're the only one who can do this. I let you, and basically, it the fact that I let you steal uh, the suit, and tells him to simply go back to his cell and await further instruction, to which um, Hank uh, ha- helps uh, elaborate, uh, commit an elaborate escape from uh, from there, in which now Scott is a fugitive from fucking justice, hiding out in the Pym household, um, to which the movie then becomes a preparation, a heist movie, basically Ocean's Eleven, where Scott needs... More like Ocean's Eleven Thousand, considering all the ants that they use. Yes, and and basically this chunk of the movie is, because I don't want to go into every detail at this point, because it'd be too a little bit too long. Scott is basically... this is a tra- It's one big training montage, as Scott has to... Not only master control of the of the, the of the heights, but master control of ants, but various different ants for various different tasks at the same time to ultimately sneak into cross technologies, break in their facilities, get to through this tiny little tube that has emission impossible lasers, get out in fifteen seconds without Darren Cross noticing. Easy peasy, right? 
Nope, it's never easy. It's never easy. It's never easy. And so they need a piece of technology. One of the better parts is that they need a piece of technology, and they have to, and it's in uh, Hank Pym's old storage facility up north. And (laughs) Tyler, Hank did not know about this clearly. So where 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 is that piece of technology actually at? So apparently this movie took place a little after Age of Ultron, so they knew about Sokovia falling and how the Avengers inadvertently caused that. What he didn't know about, however, was that they set up shop at one of his old um, his old source facilities, which is where uh, Scott is headed right now. Exactly. So, which uh, Scott thinks like, I got this. It's fine. You know, it's fine. Of course, Janet and Scott are Janet and and Hank are freaking out. You mean Hope? Hope. I keep calling her Hope. I want to call her Janet so bad. <laughs> Sorry, it's a force of habit. Wait until Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, that's gonna be really confusing. Um, and <laughs> he keeps. Uh, he's like, I got this. I can do this. And out pops everyone's favorite bird-like hero, Falcon. And he can, and we get a great little uh, sequence between. Um, Ant-Man and Falcon and we really get to see Ant-Man fight another hero and it's actually really fun yeah this is a cool fight although uh, he does Ant-Man does comment later on that he quote unquote didn't die while fighting an Avenger yep, he says that after fighting the lowest tier Avenger thus far I would mm, <laughs> I mean I would put Falcon above Hawkeye just saying um just to say. I don't know, man. Um, I would say Hawkeye is a little more conventional, but that's just me. Fair enough. Uh, so they managed to take back the technology that they needed. I don't even remember what it was, in all honesty. Um, it was something for the suit, I believe, right? Um, uh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was like to basically to prevent him from like going into the quantum realm like his wife. That's what, that's what it was for. Now I remember. So now they have the pieces in set... Um, and, uh, but unfortunately there's a, there's a, uh, a minor problem in that, how they're going to get into the building. Um, and, and this is where we get, uh, the, the friends, so Luis, um, and, and his friends all come in to basically be extras, um, and they, uh, help Scott sneak in and we get a really cool sequence of, of Scott sneaking to the building using the ants in various ways to, you know, trip technology, or my favorite is when he's in the sewer and he has to rise up to meet the other ants and climb up those ants to go up the pipe while the other ants climb everywhere else. It also makes me think, like, fuck, there are bugs everywhere. God fucking damn it. Um, <laughs> they're just everywhere. Um, uh, until all, but sadly, uh, Hank is, uh, the plan is snuffed out. They aren't able to capture it, and it turns into one big fest. Uh, Hank is seemingly being attacked, uh, and we thought, you think he's gonna die, thankfully he doesn't, um, ultimately leading to a, a climactic fight between Hank and, um, not Hank, uh, Darren and, and Scott, or Ant-Man and Yellowjacket, to which is one of the greatest edits, cutaways in movie history, where I believe it's Scott on the train tracks, and the Thomas the Tank Engine is heading towards him. And then the cutaway is the pull-away shot, and it's just a simple toddle over. It's it's so good. It's My favorite is the one in the yard when uh, Yellow Jacket is coming at him, and he just swats him away into a bug zapper with uh, with a tennis ball racket. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, and it, it, it's it's so crazy how small scale because the final fight takes place inside his daughter's um, bedroom of all places. It's it's so bizarre. 
Um, but Scott can't break through the uh, Yellow Jacket's armor, um, and he has to go subatomic, which is what which kind of glossed over it earlier. But uh, Janet, Hank's wife, disappeared into the quantum realm in a mission in, in the I believe it was this I believe it was the sixties. Um, uh, two years before uh, Hank resigned from Shield. Okay, so this is the eighties, so even later than that. Um, and so, uh, Scott goes into the quantum realm, and, like, this is before, by the way, this is before Doctor Strange is out, so you get this really trippy visual of Scott being lost in this, basically, ethereal dimension. An ethereal dimension where he's constantly shrinking to no end. Exactly. It's terrifying. It's, it's absolutely terrifying. Um... And it, I think it's, but again, we're not at Doctor Strange yet. I think we're like two movies away. Um, yeah, two from, movies. We're two movies away from Doctor Strange. So like, this is the trippiest and most surreal like comic book moment yet since Guardians. I would say in terms of like just like the weirdness of it all. I would say so. Yeah. So, but Scott, um, very, very much similar to how um, uh, the Flash uses, uh, like, has an anchor. Uh, Scott keeps hearing his daughter call to him, and that's his anchor. He's able to freaking pull himself out of the Quantumverse, beat the shit out of Darren Cross, and save the day. Um, and prevent Pym Particles and the Yellow Jacket from taking over. And also he has a new girlfriend in Hope Bandine, uh, which is which is really good for him. Um, and uh, I forgot what the post credit sequence was for this. In all honesty, uh, there are two of them. Okay. Um, it's um, it's Hank uh, offering Hope uh, the prototype for the new Wasp. Uh, That's suit. right. Yeah. And the second one is kind of a lead in the Civil War. Yeah, uh, it's... where uh, where it's Captain uh, Falcon uh, talk uh, finding Bucky and gossiping. Okay, we need to hide out. Tony's not going to help us. I know a guy. And they're clearly talking about Ant-Man in this instance. Yeah. And actually, the end of the movie is, I think it's supposed to be someone approaching him about the events that lead into Civil War. So, there, there you go. So, oh, this whole movie is just a Civil War prelude. That's, that's what it is. Um, Pretty much. So, let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Paul Rudd, our main actor. The first, this is like the first new character we've had in terms of a solo lead. Guardians excluding because that's an ensemble cast. Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. Obviously, we love Paul Rudd, but how about his performance in this movie? Um, as the pretty much recovering um, thief trying to go straight um, and only doing good tra- uh, just being a thief with superpowers now, I think he fits his role really well. He's an extremely likable protagonist uh, for what he's given, albeit treated a bit too harshly for the crimes that he's committed. Yeah, um, I definitely think he's you know very much being Paul Rudd. But considering I think Scott Scott Lang is kind of a blank slate character for me, I didn't mind that. Um, very likable, you, but you could tell he always like he he embodies the element of a hero in this. Wants to do the right thing. He's you know a little quirky, but like I think it's just Paul Rudd's natural, just uh, weirdly natural charm that he just has always had. Seemingly that you just want to want to follow him wherever he goes and I think that helps with the, especially it is impossible to hate this man I swear yeah it, it, it really is it, it, it really is um, so much so that like other people look bad by yelling at him um, and then he and like and Evan Grant is his character but his own character wins over Hope Van Dyne by the end of the movie 
um, with just his resilience and his own possibly stubbornness and maybe a little bit of stupidity on his side, uh, but mostly boldness. But I think for a new character, uh, it was it was cool to see him fleshed out like this. Yeah, love to see it. Yeah, and, and the best part is we get to see him interact with other characters uh, next movie, so we don't even have to wait that long. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about Hank Pym. Uh, as played by the, the one of the more prestigious American actors of our time, uh, Michael Douglas. What do you think of Michael Douglas as Hank Pym? Um, as the pretty much uh, mentor character, uh, I think he, he does a really good job at uh, what he does uh, in terms of the plot and uh, as the sort of anchor to lead Scott's journey going forward. Yeah, I think so too. I think what I do like about Hank Pym, because I'll, I'll tell you this, Tyler, because you don't know much about Hank Pym. Hank Pym was a fucking pushover. He was such... He was basically the anti-Tony Stark in almost every way. Um, he was a doubter. He was negative. Um, then then you bring in the fact that uh, he created Ultron. And I really like that this Hank Pym has seen shit, done shit... And will not take shit. I really like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, like, I don't want to see too much of myself in him, uh, from, to quote him almost directly. <laughs> exactly. Um, like, it, it, it was cool. It, 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 this, I feel like you could have put this movie in the Phase 1 era of the MCU. Wouldn't it, like, it wouldn't feel any different. If it had that level of introductory level charm, you know? Yeah, I'd say this would uh, fit in with the likes of the original Iron Man yeah. in terms of uh, in terms of that. Yeah, and and that relates to like I said, casting Michael Douglas because he's like the senior actor on there, like with Anthony uh, Hopkins or or William Hurt, you know, just like those veteran actors who like probably would never touch a movie like this in years, but you give him a proper script. Um, and I also I really enjoyed his the character arc he has with Janet because Hank Pym's whole thing you mean hope with hope i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i want to say janet because look spoiler she's alive um, and also i've been saying Hank and janet for like 15 years of my life forgive me i really like his relationship between his daughter hope because at the beginning it is very much ice cold um i would say it's a better arc than scott's arc cuz scott doesn't really Scott has an arc, but it's more about, like, it's an unjustifiable arc. Like, he's paying for the punishment of a righteous thing, right? Versus Hank has actual emotional trauma that he's dealing with the fact that his wife is basically dead to him at this point because of what happened. Um, And and he obviously doesn't... the The whole conflict between him and Hope is that... See, I didn't fuck it up there. Is that... She wants to help. She does not want the help of Scott because she believes that she can do it. But Hank is too scared to let her put on the suit because he already lost his his wife. He doesn't want his daughter. But he's already losing her because he doesn't even talk to her about anything anymore. Yeah. In a sense, uh, it's pretty much a reflection of um, what Scott would probably go through if his daughter, Cassie. Uh, Their relationship is is pretty much deteriorated at this point. And uh, the whole arc is them reconciling and uh, pretty much just putting their differences aside for the greater good. Exactly. And then you could tell that relationship is healed a bit at the end when he shows him the 
uh, he shows her the prototype for the wasp outfit, which is like, okay, that's 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 it. And it was a lovely arc to go through. A little awkward sometimes, and it, it honestly felt like real. It, it felt a little too real sometimes, where you fight with family members, and then just like you just need to get away from them for a bit because like you you kind of you regret what you say, obviously, but like you don't you know you meant it, but like it needed to be said. Um, uh, let then let's talk about not. Janet, because she's not in this movie. <laughs> she's not even cast in this movie. We won't get uh, a Janet till the official casting till the second, uh, second Ant-Man movie. Not for another three years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about Hope, uh, as played by Evangeline Lilly. What did you think about her? I think she was a really cool um, uh, foil for uh, Scott in this movie. Uh, compared to him, she's pretty much the straight man, not taking any of his bullshit. Um... Just um, constantly cold until uh, he puts her barriers down, and I feel like that she's a nice contrast in all honesty. Yes, um, like she's very to the business. Um, she she knows the stakes. Scott's making jokes. She's not making jokes. It's it's opposites attracts between the two of them. Um, and I liked her enough. She had enough charm to her. Is is like one of my fa- my favorite scenes. Possibly most most people think of is when she's teaching Scott how to punch. And she basically she punches him. And he goes, "That's how you punch." And he has she has that smile on her face, um, you know, like just just really good. Uh, Are you aiming for my hand? Yeah, great. Just again, they play off each other so well. And I just honestly, I don't know how much of that is Evangeline Lilly, or if that's just uh, Paul Rudd being able to play off almost anybody. Um, if they're if they're trying, probably a bit of both. Probably a bit of exactly. So, um, yeah, she doesn't get to... Unfortunately, she does not get to do much other than worry about her mother, train Scott, which is significant, but her role, I would say, unfortunately, is is significantly less important than, say, even Hank's role. Yeah, uh, compared to Hank, she's pretty much more supplementary to the plot, unfortunately, but we do get to learn a bit more about her in the sequel. Exactly, Uh, a lot more. Um, okay, uh, so let's talk about, <sighs> let's talk about the villain, um, uh... You mean the antagonist? Oh, shut the fuck up. God damn, <laughs> how long were you waiting for that one? I need to know, how long? I was waiting for that all week. God damn it. So Darren Cross, um, if I have to say there's a, there's a, a, a weak link in this movie, it's him. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's probably one of the most boring antagonists that we've had in a very long time. Like, he's pretty much just a one-note bad guy. Um, like, he's pretty much just Dollar Store dollar store Obadiah Stane. Yes! Uh, just to go for <laughs> Obadiah Stane if you order him on Wish, basically. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like, he tries... Corey Stahl, who I don't know where I've heard him from. I've heard his name from somewhere. Um, I'm trying to see where he, what he's been in, but like I've heard his name around, and it's like, um, oh, he was in House of Cards. No wonder I've heard him from there. Um, it's like I've he tries to be smarmy. Like there's that one scene where he he they miniaturize the goat. I think it's a goat or a lamb or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a baby lamb. Baby lamb, and like he's like he and he's like sending the next subject, and he's trying to be evil, but it's just. You know, just to quote Dr. Evil, just one calorie, not evil enough. You know, <laughs> just, just, I, I don't buy it with him. Nothing about, 
it's a he gets a little better when he's in the yellow jacket suit and he goes a little crazy. That's when and he's allowed to be a cornball. But when he's just his like that okay, that scene where he shrinks down that executive who made funny made him made let me fun. That should have been terrifying. It wasn't. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just kind of whatever. Yeah. There, there's, it's almost as if he's trying to act unhinged, but it doesn't feel believable. Right, exactly. It just... Uh, it, it just doesn't... <clears throat> it just doesn't feel... I don't feel threatened by this man. Like, And they make fun of him when about the Yellow Jacket program. It's like, it's, it's just a suit. That That's that's all it is. It's, it's just a suit. And it's like, that, under, that undermines him so bad right out the gate. Um, and even that scene where he comes in later on... Where he walks into Hank's house, uh, I th- do you think he used the suit at that point? I think he did, right? He had to if he used the suit, probably. Yeah, because uh, he just says, "Hank, you left the door open." I don't think they did. Um, and it's like that should have been a terrifying scene, but I, it's not like because he's clearly trying to intimidate Hank. But like, look, I'm taking your future. I'm taking all this from you. Um, this is now mine. And it's like Hank's like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, we, we're totally undermining you, buddy. We, we're gonna get you. Uh, I I would say out of we've we've done a lot of villains, right? We've we've done a lot of villains over the course of uh, how many movies have we done now? We're on number twelve. Number so this far. is twelve, so we're ha- we're halfway there now. Um, he's the weakest one out of every one of them, and yeah. Like, like we've had Obadiah Stane, who wasn't great, but at least had like uh, Jeff Bridges' his personality behind it, right? Um, we had um, the the Dark Elf, um, whose name I'm for Christopher Eccleston, uh, Malaketh, who was one note, but at least he looked cool in his his threat. Had a great line. Had a great line. Uh, remind people again what that line was. Have you come to witness the end of your universe? Exactly. Thank you. Um, and like, and even like we've had Emil Blonsky who was like kind of one note, but at least he had an interesting arc. Like this guy is just, there's nothing interesting about him. Like, spoilers, he gets more, he get, he only gets interesting when he becomes modern. That being said though, this is possibly the most fucked up instance of body horror in the entire MCU at all. Even going forward. Would you agree? Were you going to follow that up with something? Well, no, because, like, he fucking contorts the way he fucking gets sucked into the... Like, name me a scene, either past or present in the MCU, that's that fucking undisturbing. Um, I cannot. Yeah, so that... Like, he gets points for that. He gets points for dying. That's how you know (laughs) he's, he's shit. His death is more memorable than anything else. Like, it's it's just... I mean, granted... Honestly, if you did not have an actor of Paul Rudd's capability, I think this movie wouldn't be nearly as good because not only the fact that like the 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 antagonist the the protagonist shines so much that it doesn't really the movie is okay that the antagonist just sucks. It, it's I think it's perfectly yeah. fine. This is more about uh, the rise of Ant Man, not about the rise and fall of the Yellow Jacket. So he's really um, not a big factor in this. Exactly, you know it's it, exactly. Um, so, I is there anything now? One thing I want to comment on, Tyler, is what what was your favorite like perspective shot? Like when we're when we're at Ant Man's level, like what was your favorite sequence from that? I would probably say um, 
the fight between him and the Falcon, um, where he uh, fully demonstrates uh, the fruits of his training. Um, it shows that he's on Avenger levels, even though he's on one of the lower ends of the Avenger scale, yeah. but still holding his own against the hero nonetheless. Yeah, I do love that he took out an Avenger with simple MMA training and, and tricking powers. That's that's pretty immaculate. Granted, Falcon only has the ability of flight, but he also has military training. So I just I find that so amusing. Um, I think for me personally, I can't get over how mind-bending that initial ride is when he first shrinks down and he's in the tub and the water comes like that sense of like it's not just a pool a tub of water anymore which for us it's, it's normal it but turns into a sea it's a, a, not just a sea a raging sea um and then and then you have the 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 club scene and then the bro when he gets sucked into the vacuum cleaner that's terrifying just being in that swirl of dust of nothingness, so you can't see anything. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised he did not start hyperventilating right then and there over what was happening to him right uh, at that moment. Well, I mean, he was freaking out as soon as he landed on the car, but before that, he was attacked by a freaking rat oh. and then got shot out of a building into a car windshield. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, just giant rat. Apparently, rats growl, uh, or at least if they're if you're small enough, you can hear them growl. Um, uh, what a fun ride, right? What, like, uh, especially after coming off of Age of Ultron, this was definitely a fun, fun ride. Yeah, this is a fun movie, uh, even on, like, the fourth revisit, for, in my case. I think this is only, like, the second time, maybe third time I've watched it. Um, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't go to this movie, as much as I'm praising it, I don't go to it nearly as much. But when I do go to the times I have gone to it, it's like, oh, that was a good time. That was that was a really good time. Um, but let's go. Is there anything else I missed, Todd, that you want to cover? I think we covered just about everything. Uh, although they did uh, kind of name drop a certain superhero that we'll be seeing in the next time around. Do you want to... I missed that. Who did, who did they name drop? Um... In the end, when Louise is uh, talking about um, how the Falcon is uh, trying to track him down, um, they kind of, um, well, they don't really name drop it. They just kind of describe, uh, like, oh, Spider Man walls. Yeah, yeah he for- was talking about Spider Man. I forgot. Listen, I saw this movie um, a week ago, so it's like I'm going off a of memory from that. Um, uh, yeah, Spider Man. Because this, okay, we'll talk about that next week. The Spider Man stuff next week. Um, I forgot. I, me- I remember people got excited with, with the fact that they mentioned when we got people who walk on walls. I know I did. Yeah, like oh, they're talking about Spider Man. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Spider Man definitely in the next episode. But let's go ahead and go to the ratings board. Tyler, how many Ant Man heads out of five do you give Ant Man? I will give this four Thomas the Tank Engine heads out of five. Uh, this is a fun little heist movie with. An incredibly likable protagonist to follow uh, all the way through. Uh, the secondary characters are great as well. Their arc is probably much more interesting in comparison. Although the the villain is a bit weak, it doesn't really hamper the experience too much. It's just a fun ride all all the way through. And uh, you can follow. And for me, I give it. I give it a three and a half. I know it's kind of low for how much I praised it, but the villain really holds it back a lot for me. Um, it's still a really fun movie, and I, granted, there are, towards the end of the movie, it does, 
basically be act as a lead-in for Civil War, but you can just watch this whenever. There, it doesn't feel like you need to watch this in any particular order. I think the strongest... It's a competent origin movie, for sure. Exactly. I think the best MCU movies are movies that you can just watch without context of the universe, which is really hard, especially for some of them later on going, but I think for this one, um, it really fits that uh, it's it's just a simple origin story that that just, that just works. I know people by now were sick of origin stories, but when you got a good one, it's it's fun. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get out of here, Tyler. Please plug your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Tire Shoes Rev Two. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, home of Tire Shoes Reviews, where I review old ass fighting games to your pleasure. And you can follow me at twittercom Iggy. And you can uh, catch me live four times a week at twitch.tv slash Iggy2814. I'm currently in the month of roguelikes right now. Uh, so that's every Saturday, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. Um, come, come see me live all at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And, of course, go to uh, charts.com for this episode as well as our other ones, including various watch-alongs and podcasts we've done over the years. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week for Captain America. Civil War. Mom, Dad, please stop fighting. No, I didn't steal anything. I was returning something I stole.